Hello, Wildcats. Next weekend, they're going to get destroyed. Kings is going to destroy them. There's nobody. In, they are outmatched in every position but the two positions. Just on the but screen. the two positions. They are outmatched at every position. Point guard, Casper got that. Two guard, Cotton got that. Mm-hmm. Three man, Sydney got that. Whoever they want to start, Dee Dee, uh, Newly, they got that. Tariko hand messed up. He ain't 100%. Mm-hmm. Four position, you got the best power forward in the league, Jay Sean Tate, versus a tired power forward. Okay? And at the five, there's no way uh, Bogus not going to outplay Hunt. Hunt. <laughs> These guys ain't showing up. That's why I don't know your name. <laughs> Show up. <laughs> so that was Corey Homicide Williams opening up the pod for you guys. He's just calling out the Perth Wildcats for this Friday night's game at the Jungle. Writing us off the leagues, writing us off NBL overtime, these jokers on there. They want to throw some shade at the Cats. Let's take it on. Let's go, Cats. So welcome to the pod this week. Very excited to bring this one to you. There's going to be some in-depth analysis of the Adelaide game coming up shortly. And after that, I'll preview for you guys our doubleheader weekend coming up. But, Corey, shoot your shot. Throw your hate. You've done it before. You've missed on the Cats every single time. The more you talk, the louder you are, the better it is for us, guys. So let's roll this thing in. It's going to be a good pod. Looking forward to bringing this one to you. Perch up, grab a beanbag, get to the corner, and chill out. This is this is episode eight of a Cool Cats Corner, an NBL podcast. Let's kick it away. All right, first of all, Jerome Randall. I'm a big fan of the mentality, which is the love better be as loud as the hate. So I swung some serious shade Jerome Randall's way before this matchup, and you can go back and listen to it if you like. I don't mind. I still feel how I feel, you know. However, what a game by Jerome, man. Jerome had 20 points on a decent shooting numbers, which actually surprised me. So only 45%, but he normally shoots a good 15% lower than that this season. He's had eight assists in this game, one in the final quarter where he thread the needles on a fast break, showing his class. You can see why Isaiah Thomas, who's currently playing at the Washington Wizards at the moment, loved his game in college. Only had the one turnover for this game as well, which was just very smart, very calculated game by Randall. It's easy to do when your team is dominating, but he was still smart with the ball in the jungle on Sunday afternoon and got the job done. Shout-outs to him. Look, I swung some serious shade, as I said, so I'm going to give you some serious love at the moment. So Jerome's in the house. Watch your mouth. Secondly, guys, so we drop to 8-5 and five after the 88-99 to 99 defeat at home. Still remaining second on the ladder. Even though we're getting rolled by some teams, we probably shouldn't have struggled against this early in the season. Adelaide go to 500 at 6-6, six and six, and they have their tails up and they're rolling. Joey Wright, head coach, gets the biscuits for the first time in a long time in the jungle. They have Melbourne United next, away from home, so watch out Melbourne. This team balls out. But I told you, all in the prediction pods a few weeks back, we're going to drop some games at home this year. 
We don't have options to go to down the stretch. You know, a third option is really important scorer in basketball. So, look, by the same principle, calm down Corey Homicide-Williams. The jungle is still a fortress. And until you get people as supportive as the Red Army, it's not the venue itself. It's the people that rock up. And the fact that he thinks the fortress is gone is an absolute joke. Unless you get at least 12,000 people rocking out to another NBL team's venue and rocking on their squad every single weekend, you best shut your mouth because you don't be disrespecting the Perth fans like that. You check yourself. So thirdly from this game, my takeaway was Daniel Johnson. Dude just comes out and plays in Western Australia. Just come back and play here anyway, dude. Like you obviously love playing in the jungle. You bowl out here every time. You rock up here. Imagine rocking up here every second weekend, pulling on the Wildcats jersey. I know it's a bit of a stinky pitch, but it's got to be better than Adelaide. Look, I'm not going to stop. Just because we guys did us, we're going to have another go at you guys again. But seriously, this dude is a ball, and I've already told you about how good he is the last time I spoke about him on the pod. We don't have an answer for him on the offensive end, and he's just way too big for our undersized centers to, to out-rebound. So he had 29 points, 17 rebounds, and those points came on 68% shooting. And it's not like this guy's just pulling up these like hooks, layups, five foot away from the basket. He went two from three from three, and he also has like a lethal mid-range game. So a lot of his shots come on these fadeaway jumpers on the baseline with decent-sized defenders on him because he's generally still pulling the center out from the middle of the key as well. So... And he's fading away, swishing heavily contested shots. And he's a guy who trusts his shot. You can see that. And he knows he's too big for anyone else on the court to match up with. Not much scarier than six foot, 10 inch, 108 kilo man mountain just that can shoot the ball over anyone competently from anywhere on the court. As I said, he's either been in the NBL first or second team since 2013. Most recently, first team in the NBL 18 season and then second team in the NBL 19 season. So come home, DJ. We need a little Daniel Johnson on the Cats. Now on to the Cats. We were competitive for the first quarter, only going down by four points, and fell away as Adelaide dominated. A really concerning stat, which I found in this one, is our guards assist via bigs assist. So, look, I'm not a big basketball traditionalist who thinks that point guards should be the one getting all the assists, but it's an offense, and it's set up by a guard generally, and they're initiating the offense, so let's initiate it. I'm sick of all this, like, receive the pass, hold it up, move 30 centimeters laterally, and basically just passing the ball back out again. Look, so... We're not even penetrating. We're not doing anything. We're just wasting shot clock. All successful teams in the NBL at the moment are able to pull up and shoot, or at least spot up and shoot. So if you spot up and shoot, you draw the defense out. You confuse them. You make more holes to generate your offense. So either shoot an open shot, or we got to stop being so damn obvious and predictable. But for the guards, our assists were four to Cotton, zero Martin, zero Norton. And like that's not an awful minute. So those guys played some decent minutes. Our assists for our bigs, K had five, Wagstar four, and the new boy Travis had four as well in only 10 minutes. So 13 assists from our bigs, four from our guards. What is happening, Wildcats? The 18-year-old Luke Travers, love the flow by the way, had four assists in 10 minutes and granted the game, it wasn't at this competitive rate at this point, but it just shows people that we have players that are willing to take shots. Honestly, we're getting blown out this season and like it's happening. So don't be afraid to go to development players earlier in the contest. Like we're not going to win every game. That's We've curbed our expectation on the Wildcat season a little bit to that extent. So play these development players. Travers wasn't afraid to shoot it. Taylor Britt hit his only three. On Travers, Norton himself said, look, he's a super talent, but to be honest, I haven't seen much of him. But when he was out there, he was a little bit tentative, and I said, mate, this is your time to shine. You can't lose. Just go out and play your best. Why hasn't Mitch seen this much of him? Like, no doubt Gleason relies on his staple players like K, Cotton, White, Hunt, but if Mitch hasn't seen him, like a guy on his own team, then like is Travers really getting the encouragement like from the coaching that he needs? Like granted the dude's only eighteen and he was only on for ten minutes and he but he looked like a legit player. A little bit skinnish at time, but like who wasn't at eighteen? Unless you're Luka Doncic or LeBron James, you know? 
And look, this is another guy who saw just a little bit more time. So he didn't have as much as Luke Travers himself. But Taylor Britt, the 22-year-old, he isn't a scrub. If we aren't getting production from Damo to create the offense anymore and to take on the first man that's in front of him, then let's go to Taylor. It's showing that Damo's offense is being mitigated by his ability to play defense. But we really need some production and we really need a guard who's willing to dribble past the first defender, at least the defender in front of him, at least once a game. Look, not to say Damo can't do that. I really don't want to be hating on Damo in really any way because I really love Damo as a player and I love him as a dude. But opposition just know that he won't take you on anymore. Is there any danger in us having an assist off the dribble or some drive and cut action? Britt himself is silky and he shoots the three. Look like Trevor, I'm interested. Let's get him in there. I don't understand the harm in giving these DP guys a few more minutes and seeing what they can do because if it works, it works out so much for the better, you know? We have more depth. Travers is just getting absolute props from around the league. So would be interested to see him him play a few more minutes, especially lacking the production we've had at the center position. But Britt, I'd love to see what he can do. You see Carl Adnam, slightly older, similar body frame to Kenny Britt over for the Phoenix. And he's he's putting up numbers. He's playing out. And especially in this round nine game, he had an absolute game. So go check him out. I'll give you guys a bit of a one-dimensional inside-the-box score analysis as well because that's what everyone kind of looks at. When you haven't caught the game, you jump on the box score to see what went wrong. Looking down the box score, it's hard to see exactly what went so wrong. So Adelaide shot 9% better from the field. That wasn't great. Adelaide out-rebounded us by 11. That wasn't fantastic. But we did win the turnover differential, 7-6. to That stat that I used, so our steals plus our blocks compared to the other team's steals plus blocks. So we had 7 compared to their 6 previously mentioned. We were hurt in the paint, and this is where we lack some defensive intensity and some defensive toughness. So in the paint, points in the paint, Adelaide were 12-plus on us. We can't be allowing that to occur every single game because points in the paint are the easiest points to get. They're the highest percentage field shots to take. We've got to be better than that. Perth had more second chance points, but that's probably due to the poor shooting. And this, uh, this probably, it could have humbled us a little bit, this stat that we've won the second chance points because we were shooting terribly most of the night. We outscored them 33-18 in the last, but still lost by 11. If that doesn't tell you all you need to know about how fun this game was to watch for a Wildcats fan, I don't know what will. We still ended up down by 11 points in the end. I just want to say, like, I want to take nothing away from the Red Army. They cheered like crazy until the end. They were going bananas for any shot that went in. We were 20 points down. As soon as we saw the DP guys, the crowd responded fantastically, made them feel so welcome, made them feel that they were, they were really getting cheered on. So I just want to say... Red Army are receiving some serious hate from these media personalities around the NBL, but stick to it because the real dudes know what's up and we know how much the Red Army loves their team. In summary, we've got to go have a look at some of the kids. It was great to see the Red Army stick around and continue to cheer them on. It was good to see them come out confident and shoot. Bryce just had a kid. I'm going to let him off for this game. Still, he had 18 on decent shooting. But he's three from nine from D, just looks super tired. I'm excited for a lot more from him. But as I said, he had his first child. Just a few days before the game, so you don't know where his head's at. I'm not a parent myself, so I don't know what's up with that and, and, and the strains which come with having a child. But Dario Hunt had one shot and he missed it. He was fouled three times. He went two of six from the line. Whenever Dario has it low, expect hard fouls to come this season because he's not hitting his free throws. And Gleason has to find a way to use his skills more optimally to get the Wildcats in more advantageous positions. Otherwise, Dario Hunt is just talents are going to continue to waste away and not being utilized by Trevor himself. For my dudes on Reese Vague Minute Watch, he had 15 minutes. Fantastic. We need the minutes, right? One of my biggest issues with Reese is he plays with very little confidence. It's like we haven't empowered him to do the things that he's good at. We're running this offense with lots of action happening off the ball, which is awesome, but we actually need to run plays for guys like Reese. Like, I don't hate that idea that we run a play with he is the shot at the end of the clock because he's not a, he's not a terrible shot. He can spot up. Get him knocking down a long three, like Adelaide did early with Harry Frawling. 
They're big center. Then at least we have to step out to him, obviously resulting in them killing us in percentage shots or points in the paint, which they did. Also, Reese himself, by not rebounding the ball, is hurting himself. If he rebounded everything proficiently, we can leave him out there, but he doesn't. Like He gets out-rebounded, he gets bodied by smaller players, so we've got to fix that, guys. So that's my review. I touched on a couple of different points of the Adelaide 36ers game from Sunday, but that's it. Two L's in a row. We've got to turn this around. It's going to have to start this weekend with the double header. I expect better results on the horizon. I hope. Let's preview these next matchups. Double header time, boys and girls. Yo, so it's a top of the table clash when the Perth Wildcats host the Sydney Kings this Friday night. So let's look at the sports bet odds to get an idea of what the pundits are saying. The Cats paying $2.12 going in as dogs into this matchup with the Kings paying $1.73 early market. This is the first time this has happened this season where we've gone in as underdogs as home, but it's very understandable as to why we have. So the line is currently plus 2.5 for the Cats. This seems unbelievably low. So I expect this to blow out a little bit. Expect, I think, a bit more money to roll Sydney's way because they do look more favourable coming into this matchup. So what happened last? We met this season. So we met at Kudos Bank Arena, home of the Sydney Kings. 9,665 people attended, in which the Kings beat us 104 to 85. Dita Lazada had 28 points, 7 of 11 three-points made in 23 minutes. Casper Ware adding 23 points himself. And Bryce Cotton had that 36-point performance, huge 36-point performance in an L. Terrific Tariko, not so terrific on the day with two points. Sydney were able to minimise their turnovers, keep it to six, whereas Perth had 13. They just did a much better job protecting the ball. They did a much better job playing defence, winning the turnover differential by four over the Perth Wildcats. So Sydney had the five steals, four blocks, totaling nine altogether. Perth had the two steals, three blocks, obviously totaling the five. So we don't want to lose that, that category there. Kings had 50 more points in the paint. We had 26. So what was I harping on about in the review from the 36ers? We've got to cut this stat from our game. We've got to win this stat. It's only going to happen by making the appropriate adjustments. So hopefully we don't continue to lose this stat all season long. And hopefully we don't lose it by 24 points like we did last time against Sydney. Because if you go down 24 points in the paint, look, you're just giving them high percentage shots. And we're in a lot of trouble when that happens. So what are my thoughts on this game? So it's top of the table clash in the jungle, which is going to be very exciting for the spectators to watch. Will Weaver and a large portion of his new kings have never played in the jungle before. The likes of Didi Lazada, Jay Sean Tate, Deshaun Taylor. This isn't a crowd they would have experienced in the NBL as of yet, maybe previously in their careers. So the noise doesn't stop in the jungle and it's not going to be sleeping on Friday night. Let's make this jungle rock Friday night because it's time to protect home court. And now let's look at the guys coming in to try and ruin the party. So I'll give you guys some, some Sydney Kings players to look out for. In a team full of Andrew Bogut, Casper Ware, Brad Newley, you may be surprised with me to bring up Daniel Kickett as one of my players to watch. This absolutely stinks of a game that a veteran big like Daniel Kickett could light us up. He's only averaging 7.1 points per game this season, but that's due to playing an average of six less minutes per game than he did last. Daniel is almost 210 centimetres, 110 kilos. He's a veteran Australian forward centre who can absolutely stroke the ball and the long ball. He's averaging in his career from long 45.7. Pretty much every one in two threes this guy shoots, he drops. I wonder what happened last time. We played a player of this style and calibre. Mm, yep, DJ. 29.17 boards, 68% shooting. So he can't let that happen again. So someone please keep an eye on Daniel Kickett. He could kill us with our inability to match up on bigs this season, especially very proficient shooting bigs. Watch out for Daniel Kickett. Secondly, it's the next star. It's Dede Lazada. And the next star was a massive problem for us against Sydney last time out. As I mentioned, 28 points on 7 of 11 threes in 23 minutes. 
Imagine if he played like 30 plus minutes. He could have had 10 threes in the game. Everything looks so silky for him that game. The best game of the season against us. So don't get too worried thinking that he does it every single week if you haven't been tuning in every single week to other games. He has actually struggled from inside the arc in his shots this season, only shooting 17% from the mid-range and 20% from the paint. So let's chase him off that line because once we do, he isn't too flash. I hope we aren't calling his name too much on Friday night because if we are, it could be raining threes once again in the Sunset City and we don't need that. My third guy and final guy to watch for the Sydney Kings is Jay Sean Tate. And there are very few people this year loving the NBL more than 24-year-old Jay Sean Tate. He plays with a ton of emotion, which I like. He blows kisses at the free throw lines, which is cool to see someone with that type of character in our league. He's averaging 16 points per game, six plus boards, and he's a surprisingly athletic guy. You look at him and you can see he's strong and compact at six foot four and 104 kilos, but you don't expect him to be able to throw down dunks on people. He can low-key throw down dunks on people and drop the hammer as well, and he does it every week given the chance. So leave Jay Sean alone from the arc, but make sure you pick him up as soon as he steps one foot inside the arc because he has an unbelievable ability to get to the rim. He shoots the three at 33%, only making six so far this year. But when he steps inside, he scores around 78% around the rim. So he's almost automatic when he gets there. So we got to make sure he doesn't get there. Making regular season appearances on NBL pods, such as NBL Overtime, JT is soaking up all the NBL has to offer. And it's fun to see him flourish into one of the stars of the league. He mentioned on NBL Overtime that he's looking forward to taking on Perth and seeing the hostility, which is the Red Army. So Perth, let's give it to him. I would like to see if we can match up a Dario Hunt on him for a little while. That big V small matchup to see if our length can mitigate his ability to finish at the rim. Issue being is he's probably too quick for Dario and probably will put him in some foul trouble if we do line him up there. But it's definitely something to watch. Now, players to watch for your Perth Wildcats in this top of the table NBL clash. Firstly, Bryce Cotton. Ice Cotton has had 36 last time out against we face these guys. So he was able to get shots off he wanted. Can we see it again? I really hope so. But he scored 36 and we went down by 20. Maybe if he puts up 50, we can steal a win. Nah, but honestly, he's going to have to continue to put up that type of game, possibly even a more complete game and get the ball in his hands. He is going to be absolutely exhausted come the end of Friday night's game. He's going to get chased around the court by a very, very, very good defensive team. However, I'm uh, of the view that he needs to be holding the ball for our offense to get going. So I'm willing to live with a few turnovers trying to force the ball to Bryce. If it means Bryce is generating the offense, most possessions, he's on. He seems to be the only player that has the ability for the Cats to change their opposition's team entire defensive scheme. And we're going to need to shake Sydney early. If we let them get into their game, purple rain and threes will be falling. And we don't need that. My second guy to watch for your Perth Wildcats is Luke Travers. So I brought this guy up in our review from the 36ers. I'm interested to see if he can get some more minutes in this one. His cameo against Adelaide showed me enough that Luke should be getting five plus minutes a game considering our team is where it's at. Are we moving away from Reese Vague minute watch and going to Luke Travers minute watch? Hey, I'm down if you are. But definitely one of the guys to watch for me. Hopefully he can get it. He find himself outside the arc, stroke a three, stretch the defense, see if we can't work it inside to him and see what the, what the young man's got inside the post. So I'm very excited to see what's happening there. And the remainder of my team will actually be the last guys to watch on Friday. I know it's a bit of a cop-out just kind of picking everyone for this last one, but the guys need to earn their place again because we're in a unique situation. We are playing so poorly but we're still second. So all players pulling on a Wildcats uniform will have a chance to make their mark. I don't care if you're our youngest DP player or you're Jesse Wagstaff. I want Trevor to play the people who deserve to be out there. This is time to make your mark in NBL 20. If any of our players can stand up in a top-of-the-table matchup, it bodes amazingly well. Come end of season, we find ourselves in the playoffs against them. We're going to be looking for guys to go, go to for minutes. No better place to make your case. So go out there, earn your minutes. Let's get after these Kings. Let's put fear back into the league and let's defend home court. 
This is the Wild West. We will be a very loud jungle. Time to let the Wildcats loose. So let's let's get after them, guys. So my predictions for this one. I do think this Sydney King is so formidable and they're so deep and they're so talented that I do think they win this game over Perth. But I know we're going to show up for a contest in this one. It won't be a walkover. It won't be like any of the other games Sydney's had to play this year. I really do hope that we hand the Kings their second L this season, but it's really hard to imagine. Just just based on recent form, it's not crazy. It's not, you know... Not ridiculous to say that we're uh, we're definitely lacking some form here. However, sport is unpredictable at the best of times, so don't give up hope just yet. Let's go, cats! On to our second game of this doubleheader, guys. Doubleheader weekends are the best weekends. Two games of cats ball, nothing better than that. So this is our first doubleheader weekend in you know a couple of weeks. Just having single game weekends the last couple of weekends and dropping them. So if the schedule is going to bring on a bit of change, that maybe bring on a little bit of change in the uh, win loss column, then I'm all down for it because back to back L's are stinky. Our second game of this back to back doubleheader comes on Sunday, just as many of them do. You play the Friday than the Sunday against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix over there in Melbourne. They are paying $1.67 to Perth Wildcats, $2.21. So it's interesting to look. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix are actually paying better money than Sydney Kings to beat the Wildcats, probably due to the jungle. But it just shows how big of a factor the jungle is. You know, a team of the calibre of the Kings coming over and playing and we're still not blown out that heavily in the odds. Interesting to see for this Wildcats team. The line for this game is plus three for the Wildcats, making us underdogs of the second straight game this doubleheader weekend. So what happened last time? Last time, Perth won 110-79 to when the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix made their debut in the jungle earlier this season. The bench was really good for Perth last time out. 51 points off the bench, which just rarely happens for the Cats because when you get down to it, you don't see many big scorers or guys who can create their shot on our bench. But 110-79, to that's an absolute panting. We gave it to them and... The bench was definitely getting more minutes due to the, the game blowing out and us needing to rest players as this game was on a Friday night previously. My thoughts on this one? My thoughts on this one? Look, we'll be coming off a really tough Friday night, top of the table clash and a long road trip to Melbourne before playing these guys on Sunday. Last time we played them, it was a doubleheader. We swept them the weekend 2 nothing. However, we were favourites in both these games on this doubleheader weekend and not underdogs in both the games. The outcome and the intensity of the game may influence this one. I'm always interested to see what coaches do on doubleheader weekends. Do they rest some key players? Do you monitor minutes? Do you try and pinch one game? Do you play the matchups favourably and, and, and put 85% effort into 100% effort into the other to monitor people's injuries? I'm not too sure, but I'm very interested to see the tactics that teams use. The more variables, the better. So the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix players that I want you guys to keep an eye on. The first guy, Kyle Adnam. So I already mentioned Kyle previously in the pod. I like his game. Bit scrawny. Looks a bit younger than his 26-year-old body actually is. But damn, that could be a scouting report on me. He is undersized, but he's a spark plug the team needs. Like the Wildcats, Phoenix have been accused of becoming one-dimensional, only allowing offense, generating through Creek and Roberson. Adnam offers some creativity, speed, and flair from the bench, precisely what these guys need. He won't score heavily, but he'll catch your eye. And if he catches fire, then he could put a little bit of a run on for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix to be a bit of an X-factor, so keep an eye on him. My second guy to watch is old man Ben Magden. So old man Magden is starting to show up in this NBL 20 season and it's probably disrespectful of me calling him old man. He's only in his early 30s, but just not looking super athletic this year, Ben. He had 23 points last game and I'm not sure he's going to be able to top that this season. So 23 points, that ain't looking old. That's looking fresh and peachy. And he's stinking it up with the long ball, more, more importantly, much like Damo Martin this year. Magden is averaging 11.5 points per game, having scored double digits in seven of the 10 games in his return to the NBL 20. But he's an impact player and someone that Phoenix can trust. 
and a game that has a potential to go close, keep an eye on him because they may be screaming out his name in the fourth quarter if they, if they catch fire and they win this game. My last guy to keep an eye on for them. He's going to catch your eye anyway with his uh, with his fun haircut and his game, but it's it's Terry Armstrong. And this is the next star of the four next stars. This is the one we haven't seen this season. Well, actually, he got 40 seconds last weekend, but I'm hoping to see a little bit more of him this Sunday, especially potentially having to lean on the bench the back half of their doubleheader this weekend against the Wildcats. Therefore, I hope to see this four-star recruit take the court. He's been injured so far this season, but look what RJ and Lamelo have been able to do in terms of making their mark on the league. I, for one, hope the 19-year-old Terry can do the same, and I am that excited to see him play. Hopefully it happens against the Cats. Hopefully he doesn't light us up, but hopefully we do get to see what that guy can offer to the NBL, so very exciting. And on your Perth Wildcats, so I'm going to do something a little bit different for this game because I've analysed the Wildcats players to death in all these previews and there's only, you know, 10, 11 of them, so there's only so many times you can analyse their game. What I'm going to do is I'm going to present you with a player, Wildcats player, I'm going to provide you their field goal percentage and I'm going to tell you if they go over or under their field goal percentage and why. So I'll give you a quick six Wildcats players and I'll give you their field goal percentage and I'll let you know if they go over or under. So firstly, Bryce Cotton. Bryce averages 41.7% from the field. So I predict he shoots under this only because he's going to have to force up some shots late on the shot clock and he'll be um, passed the ball by teammates who panic late. So I think he goes slightly under. I think his production is quite high. So I still do think he scores quite well because I think we're going to have to go through him as I previously mentioned, but I do think he goes under 41.7. Secondly, Tariko White averages 39.5% from the field. I predict he shoots over this total. I think he finds some easy buckets and I think people are going to be able to assist him trying to get inside. He only had the two points last time. He's going to want to rectify that stat. He doesn't want uh, his record in the NBL to be two points against Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. He's going to want to up that average. So I'm predicting overs on 39.5%. Nick K averages 50.4% from the field and I predict that he goes underneath this total. The reason I say this is because he will be lining up on Boomer Mitch Creek who will be switching on to Nick often and constantly and I think Nick could have a tough time over Melbourne in Sunday's matchup. He's a bit down on confidence but he's a professional, we know that. So I expect Nick to come out and play a professional game but Mitch Creek is a, one hell of a defender so don't be surprised if he goes under on that total. Dario Hunt averages 60% from the field. Fun fact, he shoots better from the field than he does from the charity stripe. I'm assuming he goes over in this game. I don't think they have an answer for him. I think he's too strong for Dampano, the uh, praying mantis out there. You'll see him. And even though he has length, I think Dario's moves will be enough in the post, at very least, to draw fouls on him and maybe put him into foul trouble. So he's a disciplined player, but he's not the strongest player. Watch out for Dampino, but I do think Dario's going to get some easy baskets in this one. And if not getting easy baskets, he's going to get fouled, therefore not influencing his field goal percentage. Therefore, I think going overs on the 60%, guys. My next guy, Clint Lint, Chocolate Steinle, 39% shooting. I predict he shoots over that in this game. Even with Tariko taking back the starting spot, the minutes that Clint received will do him the world of good and just give him all the confidence because he has been having plays drawn up for him. He's had the offense relying on him at stretches during the last couple of games without Tariko. And that type of confidence is just going to translate to more buckets. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'm going over on his 39% shooting. And Damo Martin averages 44%. I'm predicting that he shoots under this total. Shock me. I think he'll have his hands full with the NBL star point guard, John Robeson. And Robeson, who is third in the league in assists and also averages 19 points a game, is just unbelievable. He's such a good point guard. He shoots the three ball about eight times a game. So Damo Martin's going to have a, have a tough job covering this guy. We don't want to let John Robeson get off the chain, I promise you that much, because when he does, 
he is one of the reasons that these guys are a top four team in their very first season in the NBL. Really picking up the Phoenix. Even though I want Damian Martin to shoot over the 44%, I do think he's going to have his hands full on the defensive end, potentially jeopardizing his offensive game. And just on a final note, guys, I just received a Twitter notification to Chucky Sugo. So that's C-H-O-C-Y-S-U-G-O, which says that the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix are expecting to receive US import Ty Wesley back from his injury this Sunday against the Cats. Keep an eye on the 33-year-old Ty Wesley, who is already a two-time NBL champion, three-time NZ NBL champion, and was once named Utah Mr. Basketball 2004. Utah Mr. Basketball 2014 what an honor but at the same time it sounds like the Mormon creator of basketball either that or a really lazy attempt at prolonging the Mr. Men children's book series but that's enough Mason calm down let's wrap this up so tune in at 2.30 Australian Western Standard Times this Sunday December 9th to see the Cats take on the newest NBL franchise once again but first Sydney next we go Phoenix Let's please at least try split the weekend, Cats, because it's going to be two very tough games, two top-of-the-table matchups, two top-four matchups. Keep your eyes locked on the box this weekend because we're going to be wanting these ones. These ones are going to matter come end of season as well. So let's go Perth. On to the next. So, guys, as the pods run a little bit longer than expected this week due to having to analyze the two doubleheaders, what I've decided to do is give you a bit of a shorter end to the pod for this week. And in doing so, what I'm going to do is next week, I'm going to announce the NBL 20 midpoint first team. So that's five of the best players positionally in the NBL to this point in the season who's really impressed me. Think of what I'm going to be doing in this pod as the early announcement of like that All-Australian squad. So they give the 40 players first a little bit beforehand so people can decipher from those players who they think is most worthy. So what I'm going to do for you guys is I'm going to give you 15 NBL players I'll give you their position. You should know the teams by now. And from these guys, in next week's pod, I'll pick the NBL 21st team for midpoint in the season. So, guys, here it is. Here are the players who we'll be selecting from. And as I said, keep an eye on this stacked NBL weekend of fun. We have, firstly, and this is in no particular order, Mitch Creek, Ford, Casper Ware, Guard, Mello Trimble, Guard, Bryce Cotton, Guard, Cam Oliver, Ford Center, Scott Machado, Guard, Chris Golding, guard. John Roberson, guard. Sean Long, center. Jashon Tate, forward. Daniel Johnson, forward, center. Andrew Bogut, center. Corey Webster, guard. Lamar Patterson, forward. And Jerome Randall, guard. So, Jerome Randall, you make your way into the team. So, I can stop getting hit up about the Jerome Randall hate. I do enjoy the dude's game. I just like throwing it at him. Easy to get under people's skins with this guy. It's quite polarizing. So, for a breakdown for you guys, this is a heavily guard-orientated league. So, you would have heard me say guard a lot of the time there. There's actually eight guards who have been named in this 15 players here. So, over half of them are guards. And that's because in the top 10 in the NBL, it is dominated heavily by scoring guards. So, that's why this is reflected in the standing. So, look, I'm going to give Cam Oliver and I'm going to give Daniel Johnson the forward and center position for that reason, just to give a bit more depth at the center position. You can add me on those two as well because I've seen Cam Oliver and Daniel Johnson both defend and score on the consensus best pick center in the league, Sean Long. And if you can do that, we are worthy of, you know, at least matching up with him. So that's why I've broken it down like that, guys. Anyway, you can let me know who's been snubbed from my NBL 20 squad, in your opinion. Everyone's going to look different. Mine's, you know, definitely guard orientated due to the dominance of the guards. That's the pod for this week. Get down to the jungle Friday night and turn the box on Sunday. Friday night, we've got the top of the table clash. Don't forget. Then it's the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix top four clash on the Sunday. Make sure we're supporting our cats. Make sure we're sending positive vibes, guys. Anyway, that's the pod. I'll catch you cool cats in the corner next week. Much love.